Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Man, we're excited for today's show. We're going to talk some uh, Super Bowl spreads, talk some insider info. Uh, of course, we also should mention that we today is Tuesday, whatever day after the conference championships game. Just kidding. January 21st. And um, we will be doing a mailbag, I think, on Monday. One day soon, so leave your – for Monday. Apparently, Debo doesn't want us to record together on Sunday night in Miami, but whatever. It means we'll just uh, have to go sample the local wares. Uh, make sure and leave a five-star review. We're going to bust out a bunch of mailbag questions going into the weekend to get you ready for Super Bowl week. We'll be handling gambling, uh, DFS, all the stuff you need to know. And we're going to start off with a little early look at the lines. Join now. Well, Jason LaCanfora will join us after the break. Join now. My great, great friend, great friend of the program, Kenny White. Kenny, what's up, buddy? Hey, Will. Good afternoon. Glad to be here. Looking forward to next week uh, being down in Miami. We'll uh, get to uh, talk a lot about this game, that's for sure. But uh, excited about the the two teams we have in the Super Bowl this year, San Francisco, Kansas City. We get a, a huge different taste of football. Yeah. Do you um do you think there's a chance we can replicate the heater we got on last year in uh, <laughs> in Atlanta? Oh. Um, it's, it's been <laughs> the last couple of weeks now, so I hope it continues. It's basketball's been really good. We're getting a good zone right now, so that's uh, hopefully it will continue. I promise you it will. That's for sure. Well, make sure and watch Kenny on Sportsline, and um, you can follow him on Twitter at K Whitey Vegas, K W H I T E Y Vegas. Kenny's got a lot of great picks, killing it on basketball. Um, I actually. I got my face kicked in by the divisional, by the wild card round and divisional round. Took a break, took like tried to take a breather, and of course, like everything I would have played over the past week was like a winner. Like I would have, I would have, you know, it just happens. It's okay. Um, Yeah, it's how it goes. I mean, I should have. Anyway, don't need to dive into it. Let's talk about the Super Bowl instead. Uh, What was your reaction, Kenny, to the? Chiefs minus one and a half. Like what was your and, and over under fifty two? I think it's already climbed up a little bit. Were you immediately thinking I got to get something down here, or were you just like, ah, that's a pretty good line. I'm gonna wait and see which way it goes. Yeah, I'm gonna wait and see. And and you know, it's you can't send a game out pick because then the general public won't know who to bet because there's not a favorite. <laughs> so you you got to make somebody a favorite in the game. And you know what? Let's give the advantage to Andy Reid with two weeks to prepare. Uh, that, that, I think that was maybe the advantage in the, in the game right now. And, uh, yeah, I, I had both teams very equally rated right now after, after yesterday's games. Um, three tenths of a point separate the two teams, but I did have the Chiefs three tenths of a point higher. And, uh, add in, you know, a point and a half for Andy Reid, you can make this game one and a half or two Kansas City. So, uh, then you could start to make the argument for San Francisco having the better defense though. That, mm. that starts to creep in, you know, that's what two weeks to prepare. Do you want the better defense? Do you want the better offense? 
Well, do, does it matter to you at all in this situation, like where, what side the public might be on? Because I feel like, or what side, what side might be the contrarian take? Because I, I mean, I know that you don't approach it that way typically, but I do feel like everybody is going to be on the Chiefs. And to me, there is a really good case that while the Chiefs are one of the best teams in football, and I thought I, I bet them to win the Super Bowl at seven to one back in Week 16. As I told everybody on this podcast, I have everybody listen. Um, I do. I would have vastly preferred to, for them to be playing the Packers because I think they would throttle the Packers. And I think the 49ers are a really good football team with a really good coach and a lot of good players at a lot of very important positions. Yeah, see, that's that's the difference maker maybe in the game is that Green Bay, I had 15th in my rankings in the NFL power rating wise. So San Francisco, number three, going up against the. Uh, uh, you know, the, the 15th team at home, uh, all, they got all the money too. The professionals were all over San Francisco minus seven, laying seven and a half, got to eight. Yesterday, I, I didn't talk to anybody, but I'm sure yesterday was a disastrous day for books worldwide with oh, favorite. I feel notes. for them, Kenny. I feel for those sports books. <laughs> yeah. They may not have enough money to pay out next week. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. I'm sure. I'm, you know, I bet they'll be fine, but yeah, I mean, it does seem like. Everybody was on the Chiefs. Everybody was on the Niners. Both overs hit. It was a disastrous day. Money line, money lines, tease. I mean, I think the Packers probably ruined teasers, dog teasers. But I mean, favorite, te- the favorite donkey teaser that I said I liked, which is teased down the favorites to one point. And that was a, a free money situation for most of the day. Yeah. Kind of embarrassing when you, when you do that. I mean, that's my plays yesterday. I had a small play in Kansas City over the total that went over. Had a small play on San Francisco over their team total of 27. That went over. And then had a teaser, <clears throat> San Francisco to Kansas City. And now it's embarrassing. Why don't you just have a par like San Francisco to Kansas City and get 13 to 5 instead of laying, uh, you know, dollar uh, thirty to win a dollar. But uh, uh, right, right, right. yeah, if you've done like the actual like the parlay of the actual spreads instead right. of yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. yeah. It's, I mean, I, I I did make both teams slightly higher. I had Kansas City eight and a half over Tennessee, and that was bet down to seven. But there's not much value there. And the same thing with San Francisco. I had nine and a half, uh, but the line was bet up to eight, and I didn't lay the seven, uh, thinking maybe it would go down because it's Aaron Rodgers, but. It didn't, and it went up. So my, you know, that's uh, two plays. I made the teaser, and well, three plays. So it was a good day, really good day. But uh, you know, you get kind of embarrassed. Boy, they they won so easily. Uh, you should have probably been on both both those favorites. Well, I mentioned that I got hammered by the wild card and divisional round weekends, and I'll tell you this: I think that part of what the scary thing about Sunday's action with the conference championships is one, man, do we really want to get in front of Derrick Henry and the Titans again? Cause like, like I had the Patriots and I had the Ravens. I'm like, I just, I don't know. Like I can't take this. I can't take Vrabel and Henry smashing me in the face again. Like I just can't deal with it again. And then you're right with the Packers. It's like, okay, you know, I know that the Packers are fraudulent. I know that they lived on third down against the Seahawks, but man, if Aaron Rodgers gets nuclear against the C- against the, the 49ers and look, if, if Matt LaFleur doesn't punt them fourth and one at the 50 and they go down and score a touchdown, maybe that game is different. Yeah, that's a hindsight, et cetera. Uh, but what is he doing? I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. Kicking is for losers. Any uh, type of yes. kicking, punting and field goals are for the losers. That's right. And I hope that both these teams, Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid, realize that going into the Super Bowl because it's going to matter. Would you lean over? What were your thoughts on the total? I would, I would guess, knowing you, that you would love to see this keep running up and up and up and maybe flip back and take the under. Is that right? Yeah, I made it 56. So wow. I think it's going to run high enough for me to get an underplay in the game. Um, so I'm going to look for, 
you know, some ancillary markets. I'm going to look for the first quarter, first half, things like that, try to focus in. I don't really like it over because San Francisco's defense, two weeks to prepare. But I do like it over because Kansas City's offense is maybe the one of the best we've ever seen. The best quarterback in the NFL with some of the best weapons we've ever seen. This is going to really be tough for Frisco. And Frisco's offense is no slouch either. They, they are able to run the ball. They're able to pass it. They're well-balanced. Uh, they they would be a team that if they have the lead late, obviously they're going to go into, you know, just like uh, Shanahan's dad would do, run the football, run the clock, let's get out of here. And that would be their strategy. But if they're behind, Rappolo's going to be throwing it all over the ballpark. Yeah, the one thing that would worry me a little bit is if San Francisco gets behind – like, I do think there's a, in terms of live betting, I would be looking, the scripts I would be looking at would be, like, Kansas City. I don't know, if Kansas City has the lead, I think you would bet live bet the over. Because, I, you know, 49ers are chasing points. Kansas City maybe keeps their foot on the gas, doesn't try and wear it. You know, they, we saw it, like, with that Sammy Watkins touchdown out of nowhere. I mean, they ran a four-and-a-half-minute drive. And then scored on a 60 yard touchdown on a four and a half minute drive, which is kind of inconceivable. Um, whereas if San Francisco has the lead, I might look towards the under just because I think if they can get some three and outs, you could definitely see them just running downhill and chewing up the clock the way they did against the Packers. But then again, like they had the lead 27 nothing against Green Bay and that game still cruised to the over. So I don't know. Maybe I'm off on that. Uh, no, I don't think you are. That's, that would be the strategy. And San Francisco is able to run the football, control the game on the ground, get the lead early. Uh, but again, hey, Kansas City fell behind the last two games, 24 nothing and 10 nothing. had no problem coming back the last two and winning both against Houston and Tennessee. Two pretty good defenses. I mean, they're not great, but they're good defenses. So it's going to be an interesting game. There's going to be a lot of interesting stuff. And, you know, one thing that strikes me is it's a Super Bowl. Anything can happen. Yep. Last year, last year, I loved the Rams. <laughs> I loved the game over. And we were on a heater all week long. You know, we're, we're just cru- we're crushing, you know, I didn't give it all back, but I gave quite a bit back as most of my prop bets were on over stuff yeah. for Ram players. And you know what? It's amazing how much experience paid off in that Super Bowl. The Patriots just dominated because they were experienced in the situation. Belichick won the coaching battle, you know, a hundred to nothing in the check boxes. And, uh, this is a different animal though here now because, you know, neither coach has been to the Super Bowl. Andy Reid's been around forever and everybody, you know, he's like talked about the coach with the most wins that's never won a Super Bowl. Um or even been to one. Now he's finally there and uh Shanahan, he's he's an up and comer and with his pedigree, you know, he's not he's not a guy that uh is inexperienced. He's experienced. His dad's been to the Super Bowl. He knows what it takes and has been there before and so it's it and Garoppolo's the quarterback. You know, he's won two Super Bowls with the Patriots. So there's so many, uh, you know, lines in between this to read in between to try to figure out who's going to do well, who's going to collapse under the pressure. Will it be low scoring? I remember the last thing I, I talked to talking to, you know, a, a really sharp prop better before I left town in his last words, man, let's hope this is a low scoring game. And I'm thinking, what? Low scoring game. I don't want no low scoring game. I want the Rams to punish this team because yeah. this Ram offense is amazing. They're one of the best in football. And they and, just, uh, boy, just sure enough, they get shut out in the first half. Yeah. Uh, Reed, obviously, not to correct you, but just a point of reference. Reed did go in 2004, um, and Shanahan was there with the Falcons the last time when, the, when they choked the 28-3 lead. I almost wonder, like, do you think that, cause I don't think Andy Reed's gonna be scared, you know, he's been to a Super Bowl. He had the, you know, he had the, would the Eagles get to a Super Bowl in 04? Yeah, I remember they went, they went, and McNabb puked everywhere, and Terrell Owens played on the broken leg. 
Okay. Yep. That's right. So he's been there. Just hadn't won. So he's won the most games of any coach that hasn't won a Super Bowl. Hasn't won a Super Bowl. That's right. Yeah. 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 He went in 04. Cause I remember cause my, my roommate at the time, Wes is a big Eagles fan and we were over there watching the game. Um, and, uh, Wes had mocked everybody when the Panthers lost to the Patriots. And then we're like, that sucks to be you, pal. Cause you just got, uh, you just lost as well. Um, I do think though that like Reed will, I don't think he'll be, I don't think we're going to see that conservative Andy Reid. I think he's going to lay it all out on the table and bring everything he's got in the kitchen sink because he knows he's going to win. And the same thing with Shanahan. That's the thing. That's the other reason I like the over here too, I think, because, um, you know, Shanahan lost after leading 28 three in the Super Bowl. He has shown he's like, look, we're not taking our foot off the gas. I'm not having that happen again. And so I think both teams will probably be like at no point if you're the Chiefs and you're up 28 nothing or you're the 49ers and you're up 28 nothing. should you ever feel comfortable against either one of these teams, in my opinion? Oh, I agree 100%. Uh, and so, right. so that's, that's a good point to the, that's a really good point to the over because you're going to keep, you're going to keep your foot on the gas. And yeah. both teams have the, both teams have the offense to score points in garbage time when they are behind. Yeah. And like, exactly. Even if the only concern would be Garoppolo and whether or not, you know, he dinged up his knee a little bit against the, the Packers, but they got two weeks to play unless he, you know, just, it was a bad, bad injury. I think it'll probably be fine. Um, I think that, you know, like, we don't, nobody, lo- we don't love Garoppolo as a quarterback. I don't think he's elite yet. And he threw eight freaking passes in the championship game, but this is still a guy who, you know, has a pedigree, has performed at a high level in, in multiple spots for the 49ers. And they have the weapons. I mean, Manny Sanders, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and, the, and you know, Kyle Shannon is great about getting them in space. As good as the Chiefs defense has been, I think that the, 49ers offense is much more capable of putting up points than the Titans were in comeback mode. So yeah, I, I just, I have a hard time getting away. Like my, my, my gut tells me to lean under because everyone's going to be on the over, but yeah. maybe this just runs up to 55 or 56. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, you know, I, I thought 56 was the right number. And you talk about Tennessee. Um, I, I kept saying all week, fourth straight road game. Yep. At one point in this game, they're going to run out of gas. They will because they're tired, they're beat up, they're traveling, and they're playing games. They're they're beat up. It's going to be a really tough day for them. And uh, they got the lead, but when once they got it, they fell apart. You know, they just they they lost it. They were they were done. Uh, they had nothing left in the tank. Uh, they did have a little bit of a you know rally at the fourth, but they, they were just emotionally and physically beat up. So mm. these two know, and I agree with you. Both of these teams have the weapons to uh, score points in the third and fourth quarter if they need to. I'm starting to think right now, one of my favorite bets in Super Bowl, and when you like a game over, it's usually the second quarter. Yep. The goal is usually these heavyweight title fights. Uh, they they sort of feel each other out. out and they, yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead, sorry. You could get a score in the first quarter or two scores, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, hopefully if you got that over in the second quarter, you've got a team that's just going in and, and time runs out and they start to, they start the second quarter, you know, knocking on the door. It could have happened yesterday with Kansas City, uh, but they scored too quick. It almost happened uh, in their situation. But that would be a bad situation for you, but not extremely bad because there's a kickoff and a new possession and a team just scored, and that means the other team's got to come back and score. So it's it's uh, the second quarter as one that I'm probably leaning to right now, probably playing that over. All right, so you could do second quarter over. You can also probably um... – do second quarter highest scoring quarter. That's a little dangerous though, because if the fourth quarter gets nuts, but maybe somebody's got a lead and they salted. Worth noting, um, at the Westgate, the Chiefs have moved to minus one and a half. The over under is up to 54. So if you grab 52 and a half, good for you. Uh, and, uh, just looking, um, offshore and I'm not going to name anything because I can't do that, but I mean, I like, I like to see the market 54 and a half out there. 
So maybe this just keeps flying up, man. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it, I don't think you're going to see a bunch of people jumping on the under in the two weeks leading up to this as we see features on Kyle Shanahan's offense and Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, I, and you're right. And one thing that scares me, being in this business as long as I've been, seeing these games that move, these standalone games, or, or even yesterday where there's just the two championship games, when that over moves more than two points, those games go under about 70% of the time. Mm. It's just ama- it's just amazing. It's just uh, Monday Night Football goes up two points, game's going to go under because it's, for some reason, it's just you get that 0-0 first quarter, and then from there you're in it's trouble. Just, it's, it's, yeah. In in game game play, you know, again, now, you know, this number goes up too high. I can't go over 54 now. I just made it 56. I'm not going to bet it, but in play, we get two both teams to back to back punts. Now we're looking at a total of 49. I'm going to go over the 49. Yeah, that's, well, that's a great point on the timing of this. Like, if you're betting on the Super Bowl, and presumably, you know, whether you're using a local, whether you're using some, some offshore or whether you live in New Jersey, you know, whatever it is, Vegas, um, you know, wherever you are, you know, you've got an app that should have some live betting on it. And, you know, your, your, um, your, your limits are going to be a little bit lower for live betting, but for the, for the average better that we're talking about, you know, I mean, you're probably like a hundred dollars bets. I mean, like you're not, I mean, you know, if you're, look, if you're looking to put 10 grand on the over, you know, maybe go listen to a, you should listen to us, but I'm just saying like, this is, you don't want to need to go put 10 grand on the over. If you want to be smart about it, I like Kenny's idea. Go and see what happens in the first two possessions because, um, you know, we saw, you know, with the Titans and the Chiefs, they open up and the Tennessee has an eight play, 58 yard, three and a half minute drive that results in a field goal down at Casey's 12. Uh, well, then the Chiefs get the ball. They only use up a minute and a half a clock, but they punt after a three and out. And so it's very possible that if you get something like that in this Super Bowl, and I don't think that's out of control, like the 49ers could march, get a field goal from Robbie Gold, and then the Chiefs go, you know, six or seven plays and punt, you would get, as you point out, Kenny, a live over under of like maybe 49. And all of a sudden that's a key number and you can mash that. So don't feel like you have to get your bets in right now. And conversely, don't you think that if you're going to take the over and it's sitting at 54, you really like, you like the over. Wouldn't you just wait and see what it does throughout the week and maybe, um, come back and get it live? Like, what, like, what would your game plan be if you're a, a, you know, a casual better trying to get it in? Like, if you like the Chiefs, you should probably get it now or should you wait? I mean, what do you think? I think you play the Chiefs now. I don't, I don't think you're, I don't think we're going to see San Francisco the favorite in the game. Mm-hmm. I think this will, this line is going to be one, one and a half, maybe up to two and a half. I don't think it'll ever get to three because obviously it'll be a, a huge avalanche of professional money on Frisco plus three. So, yeah. but it'll be in that range. One and a half, two. I think, I think if you could find one right now with, with Kansas City or lay a dollar 15 in that range on a money line, uh, that would be the smart thing to do. The total, if you like it over, you know, and I always say you're talking about, um, well, hundred dollar betters, recreational betters, some people that just, this is the only bet they make and, you know, you see it in the sports books day in and day out. Like, like you said last week, I overbet the game last year because it's such a fun thing to do, but I overbet yeah. it with prop bets. You know, I had 25, 30 prop bets in the game and you know, I got murdered on them because most of the stuff I had was over, which uh, those words in my ear still ring with a friend of mine saying, I hope this is a low scoring game as I'm leaving Vegas to head to, you know, Atlanta mm. last year. Uh, but I'm thinking there's no chance of that. It's too good of offenses, but. It's a possibility happening. San Francisco's defense is great. Kansas City's defense has improved over the last uh, eight, ten weeks of the season. Um, I don't think it happens. We've talked about too many good things offensively for those teams. But if you like it over, 53.5 is going to go up. 
I think it's going to be 54. I think it could. You'll see this game close 55 in that range. Well, and look, again, I mean, this is the thing about football and scoring and points and totals. You can like the over, okay, and you can be right about the over, and the over still might not hit. Like, you can read it correctly and think this game is going to go be played in the 60s, and that's fine. It just might not happen because football is weird like that. For instance, the Titans and Chiefs game, uh, the over, the total was 51. Well, they hit it, and they hit it pretty easily because of that Sammy Watkins bomb, but that was on third down. If the Chiefs punt there and they're up 28 to 17, there's a very reasonable possibility that the Titans move down the field, kick a field goal to make it a one score game, and then never see the football again. And all of a sudden it's 48 to, it's 28 to 20 and this game goes under. And now the Titans tacked on another touchdown in garbage time. But the point being is that like sometimes you can, you can handicap a game correctly and not get the result. You have to be willing to understand that, right? Well, there's no doubt that could happen. This Super Bowl game could start out Kansas City gets the football, or let's say San Francisco gets it because they're a little more methodical and they run. And and San Francisco goes on a 10-play, 74-yard drive, and they get to the one-yard line. It's fourth and goal at the one, and Shannon knows he's got to go, and he goes for it and gets stuffed. And he just ran eight minutes off the clock. Now Kansas Mm -hmm. City's got it at the one. And now this game, instead of being a shootout, is now going to be a little bit more of a battle between defenses and uh, that, that, you know, that destroys scoring at that point. Uh, it takes away the seven points that San Francisco could have had. And then it takes away field position for Kansas City to start that drive. So, uh, and it also starts to put question marks in coaches' heads on what to do the rest of the game. So yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's great. That's why we're betting it. But again, it's, it's just one game. Like yesterday, I had three plays and uh, I had more bet on one college basketball game than the combined three game three plays mm. that I had in the in the football because they're just one game you know you got really good basketball plays at San Diego, uh, South Dakota South Dakota State over yesterday was uh two really good offensive teams that neither one play any defense whatsoever and you look at Ken Palm you're like wow these two can score and neither one can stop the opponent and you know, that's what happened yesterday they went up and down and uh, scored like crazy and was an easy winner so that's uh, that's that's a good point for bankroll management, and I know it, and I'm still bad about it. So, but like, I want to reiterate it. Um, just because it's the Super Bowl doesn't mean you have to bet everything on it. Like, it's right. it's the biggest game of the year. But if you think if you if you don't know who's going to win, you don't have to bet on the side. If you're not sure what the how many points are going to be scored, you don't have to bet. Like, go go throw your fifty bucks or hundred bucks in a in a in a square pool. Like, you know, where you, where you, you get go. the little, and you get the numbers and maybe you win five grand. And so like, you can go right. have fun with that. Right. And st- like, if so th- it's a great point. Like don't, don't treat as this, like a culmination of the, the, the year's gambling. Like you don't yeah. have to like, if you're up 500 bucks on the year, you don't have to bet 500 bucks on the Super Bowl and either double down or, you know, or be even like, just take the 500 bucks and walk away. Oh uh, yeah. You hear it all the time. I was out a couple of weeks ago and uh, it was like week 16 when the games counted and, heard a guy saying we're going to dinner he's like i'm five and one today i, I won uh he, he, was, he was telling his friend i bet 100 on each game and i i won 390 dollars i'm up 390 i'm gonna bet 550 on on the on the sunday night game you don't need to do it no no need to i mean you just won 390 dollars be happy with it and uh yeah. you know if you want to bet another 100 on the sunday night game go ahead but don't get greedy and that's that's what kills all gamblers greed is what kills because most guys do a good job of handicapping and um, you know, getting good numbers is a big part of this business, but, uh, don't let the greed get you. Well, that's, that, I mean, that's the thing. Like maybe you, maybe it's week 17. You're like, I'm going to go double to nothing on Seahawks 49ers and you bet the Seahawks 
and that's great until the Seahawks don't get the pass interference call in the end zone and you lose your money. So, right. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Uh, all right. Kenny White, the man. I'm pumped. Uh, always good to talk to you, buddy. We will, uh, we will talk again very soon. Excited for our coverage on Sportsline on CBS Sports HQ. Um, make sure and follow Kenny on Twitter at KYDVegas. Let's talk soon again, man. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. All right, joining the show now. To break down all things NFL and uh, weather related. The Iceman himself, Jason Lockenfora. JLC, what's up, buddy? Uh, I'm good, man. I got to spend a considerable amount in our trailer, which was our de facto green room. So I, I'm, I made out all right, man. My boy Drew Kaliski, thank you, hooked me up. My hits were close together. <laughs> I was able to watch the last hour of the show and, uh, Text some of my buddies and, and tease them endlessly about them still being out in the cold. So no, it was it was uh, it was great. The environment there, I don't know how those people do it, dude. Like we we left our hotel at seven twenty in the morning, and there was a lot, I guess the gates, the parking lot gates, officially open at eight for the tailgating lots. Like we had to like do illegal stuff to get in the stadium at seven thirty in the morning for for a two p.m. two o five game their time. Like, because we were even stuck. And we had hits to do for tops and stuff. And we had to get makeup and blah, 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 blah. And, yeah, we had to, like, basically go down a road we weren't supposed to go down to get to a point where we could get in the stadium because the lines were already that deep to get in there. And then apparently there was an accident. Like, a car hit another car in the tailgating line. So that was a whole other layer of what the hell was going on. It, I mean, it, it was so cool. I mean, it was – I'm not, like – I went to school at Syracuse and was there for like three of the like six snowiest winters in Western New York history. Like I lived in Detroit for three years. You know, I covered the NHL. And, you know, I've, I know what it's like to be, you know, standing outside a hockey rink waiting for a cab in Ottawa. You know what I mean? At midnight and it's negative, whatever. Like I, I'm not a total sissy when it comes to cold. But it, it was when the wind picked up, it was cold there. And I'm like, these people, like some of the same people who were there at 725 in the morning, when we're getting a police escort out of there at like 6 p.m. local time that night, like they're still they're still going at it. Like that lot was still like crazy packed and people were still partying. Like I would have been numb. You know what I mean? Like I don't care how many layers you wore, like 11 hours outside where the wind chill had it down to like zero. I, I don't know how they did it. Those people are warriors. Yeah. 
and look, you and Jim Rome held it down uh, on multiple sets. I think I know Rome, uh, Jim was um, outside with you for a hot minute with crowds behind you. And it was like yeah. funny. You, a moment, you were like, yeah, Chris Jones is going to be active. These people should be going nuts. And like, everybody was just sort of staring at like the cold. <laughs> they didn't. Yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was fun. Jim was, I mean, it was, it was tough for Jim. Like I, he like he was explaining to me how he felt and like I was there once before like one year when I was doing sidelines at the NFL Network there was a game we did in Cleveland at the end of the regular season it was me and Scott Hansen and if you know anything about the NFL Network like we would have like a five or six hour pregame show before kickoff you know what I mean like we would be doing live hits outside from the sidelines at like 1 p.m. for like an eight o'clock kickoff. And it was me and Scott Hansen, and we had to do, you know, we were out there forever. And it got, I, like, I, I got so cold. Actually, our, our boy Brady Quinn won that game. He beat oh, Roethlisberger. I think it's okay. the only time he beat Roethlisberger. Actually, you could probably Google it. Like, they, Cleveland sacked Roethlisberger like eight or nine times. And the Browns, like, won. And they, I swear, I think they carried Brady Quinn off on, like, their shoulders. Like, anyway, it was so cold that, like, I could – like see words in my head as I was trying to like sound them out with my like mouth and literally like you, it got so cold that you couldn't concentrate. Like there was a disconnect between my mind and my jaw. Like, and you really like literally everything in your face started to freeze and you had a struggle to say words almost as if you were like incredibly inebriated. And I'm like, Jim, is that how you felt? And he's like, bro, that's exactly it. He's like, I thought I was going to have a stroke. I'm like, yeah, I've I've been there. Like, it, it's literally you can't talk. And I'm like, and these dudes are going to be out there playing football at the highest level for you know three hours in this. It's it, with no shirt sleeves on. It's like I I, it, that, I don't know. I don't know how people do it, but so, yeah. We, so it was it was it was cold, and Jim didn't layer up as much. Like in hindsight, he's like, I would have. He's like, I would have taken. And oh, he's like, oh, I said, screw fashion. I just, you know, I would have gone the boomer route. Basically, is what he's saying. Like, I'm just going to do what I got to do to survive. Um, yeah, it was it was it was cold. The coldest part of it was we had like a 10 minute um, golf cart ride from the trailer from the green room to that set, and they were putting the pedal down and I swear my kneecaps were frozen. Like it took me a while to fall out to like, I could bend my knees again because the wind was just whipping through there. Neither of us had long johns on. And I was like, dude, are your knees frozen? He's like, absolutely. <laughs> so we actually talked with Brady. Brady had like the same, he mentioned the same thing. We were talking about cold weather games with Brady. And he's like, dude, there was this game in December of 2019, 2009, excuse me. It was uh, over 10 years ago. And you're right. It was, 15 degrees, wind 25 miles an hour, wind chill negative Ah, six. Like my joints are freezing up just like thinking back. Like, and I I remember having to fight with my producers at the time. They didn't want, they like, no, you're going to mess up your hair. You can't wear a winter hat. And like, they're saying this, you know, like from a production center in studio in, in, you know, uh, Culver city, California, where, you know, it's 5 PM and it's probably like 78 degrees at the time. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm not being a wuss, but, and I remember going out and buying gear just for that game. Cause like, like for a week, people were like, it's like, even people in Cleveland were like, this is going to be an all timer. And I remember buying new boots and buying thermal gear and like all this stuff. And they would let me wear like the wraparound 
Um, I think they would let me wear like ear muffs, but not an actual hat. And I'm like, dude, all my heat, like whatever heat I have is just going up into space. Like, please let me wear a freaking ski cap. And I think by like kickoff, they let us. But by then we were totally like, I just remember trying to run up that tunnel to find anywhere, like a bathroom, anywhere that might have like some heat and like not being able to like, like having to think like right leg, left leg, right leg. Like I was shutting down mentally. Man. I don't know how the, the, and that's what makes the Chiefs to me so impressive that they did what they did against Derrick Henry. Do you put that more on Kansas City's defense stopping him or more people in Arthur Smith saying, no, I put it on. I put it on the Titans' defense. They can't. I mean, right. it's seventeen-seven, and then I think from that point until the point where the Chiefs had an eleven-point lead, I think Henry had six or seven touches, but I think they had eleven offensive snaps. They had no. I mean, the they had like the game turned, and they couldn't. They couldn't stop the Chiefs from putting up sevens, and they, then the Chiefs. The Chiefs had the drive at the end of the second quarter. Right, and then they had the drive, long drive to start the third quarter, and then there was a—I might even have been a three and out. I don't think it was more than four or five plays that the Titans ran, and then the Chiefs held the ball again. And at that point, like you, you can't run your way out of this thing, you know? They—they they, they did what? I mean, I'll go back to the previous week. I—I I, I believe wholeheartedly if Mark Andrews catches that ball, yes. and it's seven nothing Ravens on the first drive, and Lamar's high five and everybody in the stadium is going crazy. I think it's quickly 14 nothing, and then the same thing. You know what I mean? The, the margins are slim there, especially on the road. We go on the road to those three places, back to back to back. At some point, even that 10-point lead, the other team's going to shift momentum in a way that your defense you know, can't stop. That's not a transcendent defense. It was, by any metric, middle of the road all season. And it was bad in the red zone. I thought the same thing was true for the Patriots game, too. If they had plunged in from the one-yard line, I think to make it 17-7 in that game, um, instead of having to settle for a field goal, that the Patriots would have ended up winning that game. Like, to me, if you were playing the Titans and you could get ahead of them by 10 points and force them to try and, you know, get out of their game plan and throw with Ryan Tannehill and, and run the play action stuff and you, know, you have enough secondary weapons where, which the Ravens do and the Patriots do and the Chiefs do, that you could, you know, like, look, it's Corey Brown, it's Corey Davis and AJ Brown. I mean, they're both really, they're both former first round picks, but you're talking about young wide receivers, like, and Johnny Smith. I mean, they're just not, this isn't Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. Like, it's hard to, it's hard for them to really make it work on the, in, in the pass game. And I agree with you, like, the Titans defense did a good job against the Ravens, and they did a good job against the Patriots, and they made key stops in big moments, and they just couldn't do it against the Chiefs. No, look, the Chiefs were going to score into the 30s. You know, and the question was going to be, could the tight to me when I, you know, sort of sized that game up and handicapped it all week. Like, even if their defense has a pretty good day, Mahomes is scoring 30 to 35. So what can the offense do to keep pace? And can they keep it nip and tuck enough, long enough without, you know, can they keep it a one score game, a three or a six or a seven point game long enough to where they can stay, you know, in the sort of packages they want to be in? And, and once the, the tide turned, the end of the second quarter and all the way through the third quarter, at that point, you know, you basically rendered. I mean, could they have stuck with Henry a little bit more? I guess. But if I'm sort of, uh, you know, throwing darts at anybody there, it would be more. I mean, I thought it was too many three-man rushes. And you, know, you, you got you to try to make Mahomes more uncomfortable than they did. You got to gamble 
a little more than they did defensively, especially when it, it, it's clear that you can't, you're not going to be able to contain them. And your offense is, you know, it has some limitations. I, I thought they should have maybe switched things up a little bit more in the second half and brought that, you know, brought some more heat on the homes and try to force a turnover or make him uncomfortable. But look, Kansas City's a better team, you know, and they were at home and it was a day that played to their strength. Um, and they've got, you know, Mahomes is otherworldly. Like, when I'm sitting there with Boomer, and he's like, dude, we've watched this kid now. He's never, like, we're two-plus years into this. He's never had a bad game. Like, he's not always transcendent, but he's always very good. He's never been bad. You know what I mean? He's never really even been average. It's just which degree of special is he going to be? And on that day, they weren't going to be able to stop him, at least not unless they got exotic. They started sending you know, corners and, you know, sending Logan Ryan a little more than they did. You know, it seemed like when they got the lead, they got a little conservative defensively. And I, I felt like that's where they let the game get away. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And you know, you're getting, you know, you're getting it from Mahomes. Uh, from one former MVP to another former MVP, Tom Brady, as you reported on Sunday, is he, what's, what's his deal? Is he preparing to shop for offers? He's, he's he, going to, he's going to be a free agent. I mean, he's, he's yeah. going to hit the market. Doesn't mean he won't come back to New England, but his mindset now is, look, we've come this far. Let's see what's out there. You know, I've, I've, I've been at this almost 20 years. I've never experienced this process or anything close to it. Um, and I'm ready to, to see what my, what other people think my market value is and what, how other people would sort of woo me, right? I mean, that's only human nature. Like, you're arguably the greatest to ever do this. And you've never talked to anybody outside your organization since they drafted you 199th overall, whatever, 19 years ago or whatever, right? So like, and this is it. There's going to be, this is going to be his last contract. So if not now, when? And so he's, he's, he's going to do that dance and he'll be meticulous about it and methodical. And, you know, we'll, we'll have things to probably bring back to the Patriots. And, and if New England is still the best option, then so be it. But that's not guaranteed. Um, it's, it's just, we're, you know, he will go down this road and see where it leads him. And I'm told he's very open to the idea of mentoring a young quarterback wherever he goes because he wants to leave that place, New England or otherwise, in good hands, and, and he feels like part of his legacy is tied to that and to help develop this next player. And look, to, to show him the ways of, you know, the avocado ice cream and everything else, and, and you know what I mean, and, and, and kind of have a little incubator here to see if some of what he believes in his heart and in his mind have made him the competitor he is and have let him do these things at such a high level for so long, you know, maybe they are transferable to some degree. Like I think he truly, I don't think, I know he truly believes in this method and that he thinks part of his legacy too could be coming up with um, almost a development process that other quarterbacks can follow. Philip Rivers, according to a report, moved his family to Florida. Does that mean he's going to play for the Dolphins? Or is that <laughs> an accounting loophole? Because that's what I think it is. Um. I mean, look, we, I reported extensively on this and I, I think it was late November or some point in November. Um, talked to a lot of people and, and my reporting was he doesn't have a future with the Chargers. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not on the same page. They're frustrated with the turnovers. He doesn't really want to play in LA all that much. Um, Anthony Lynn is kind of at his wits end with having to, to play from behind and get out of the, the mentality and philosophy he really wants to be in. You know, and Philip has got a strong personality, and he's an elite competitor, but 
it can wear on people after a while. And it was kind of starting to wear on people. And are we going to market this franchise with this huge, you know, move around this guy? And, and look, that people in that organization would say, oh, it's football, football, football. Oh, yeah, but, it, it, you know, it, it, the stakes are pretty high there. Um, so, no, I mean, and if he's not going to be a Charger anymore, then why is he going to live, you know what I mean? why is he going to live in Southern California? Like, he was only out there because he was a Charger. Uh, you know, and what, at some point, I think they probably are all back in Alabama and he's coaching high school football. And, and, you know, coaching his kids and, and that, that's, you know, I think he'd be perfectly content to do that at some point, just not yet. Um, I have heard that, you know, Frank Reich is certainly intrigued by him and has coached him before with the Chargers. And we know that the Colts are, are looking to um, take a step up from Jacoby Brissett if they can, or at least have other people in the mix. And then I, I heard, you know, started talking to some people last night after the games and, I'd, I'd keep an eye on Tampa. You know, okay, so Ken Wizard hunts very close with Bruce Arians. Interesting. And Bruce ain't in this forever. You know what I mean? And I think Bruce was at his wit's end with Jameis by the end of the year as much as he wanted to work. And look, Jameis is probably going to get decent money somewhere. And it's going to be looking for a term you know, much longer than where the Bucks might be. So can you rent Phillip Rivers for a year or two with the weapons they have there um, yeah. and make a go of it? it? It wouldn't shock me. Dude, that is, I mean, like, I'm not, I mean, I get, I'm not like I'm getting all excited about the idea of Rivers in the, in the uh, Tanger, you know, whatever the hell the colors are. The um, pewter and yeah, the pewter mandarin or something or whatever. Yeah, like, if his family's in Florida, and I'm, I'm guessing, I and mean, I, like, I have no no clue where they went, but I would guess they went somewhere like Jupiter, which is on the Panhandle, uh, or even and probably not Tallahassee, like, or maybe even Jacksonville, so but somewhere that's close to like, uh, Al, like that they can get to an airport and get to Alabama easily, or right. you know, go see family, Georgia, all of that. So I'm, I mean, like, I don't think they like landed in Miami. They're moving to Miami or anything like that. No, I doubt it. But like, Tampa would be an easy sell for your family. Um, Jupiter's not the panhandle, according to Debo, uh, whatever. No, yeah, Jupiter's on the East Coast, right, up by, like, West yeah, Palm. Right. I mean, I would think maybe Fort Myers or Naples or something like that. I, I don't know. Whatever. At any rate, like, I don't think he moved to Florida for a specific target, but Tampa makes so much sense to me from the perspective of we saw what Bruce Arians did when he came into uh, Arizona, and they traded for Carson this Palmer. This would be Carson Palmer, right. Yes. And you're getting exactly. him. You're not having to give up anything to get him. Yeah. And you're, you're trying to win in the next two years. Um, they got to improve the run game, obviously. They made strides on defense. I mean, Drew Brees, right? Is this? I mean, you, so Drew Brees isn't playing forever either. Um, Carolina is obviously reshuffling the deck. Um, Atlanta goes into the season with a coach and GM on the hot seat. You know, that's hotter than anything we've seen in a long, long time. So it might make sense to go with a veteran and and, and you know hope that. He cuts down on the turnovers, but maybe with that cast around him and maybe in a different environment, um, he does. Yeah, I mean, look, River's skill set would fit really well with the personnel that they have there, in my opinion. I mean, I'm, yeah. in, in, that, in that coaching staff. So that that does make a lot of sense. Um, he would absolutely be, you know, in a good familial spot for it. The division is sort of ripe to take over. I mean, the Saints are, you know, Go, go Drew Brees revenge games. I don't know. It just feels like, I don't know. feels like it could be something that, uh, that could work anyway. Um, 
What uh, what was I going to ask you about next? Oh, what are the Titans going to do with Tannehill and Derrick Henry? What do you think about that? Well, I mean, look, it depends on the CBA. If if they're if we don't get a new CBA before the league year, um, and we're operating under these rules, then I think they franchise Tannehill and they uh, transition Derrick Henry. Um, I don't know who's. I mean, what team is going to put a, a monumental offer together for Derrick Henry. I, mean, uh, I, I wrote about this extensively during the season. Go look at the top 10 highest running backs. Go look at the running backs with the top 10 highest salary cap numbers. They're, it's, a, it's, a, it's a road to nowhere. It just hasn't. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't even know who. I, I'm trying to come up with the market. Nobody needs them more than the Titans need them. Right. You know, like, do I see Bruce Arians doing that? No. You know what I mean? Like, they need a running back, but – and guys after 400 carry seasons, you know, I mean, there's a lot of data there that would say tread very lightly, you know? And he's a better back than Melvin Gordon, but look how soft that market was a year ago. And then look at what, you know what I mean, Melvin Gordon's season became. I I just I, don't – you know what I mean? Like, Gurley hasn't worked out. You know what I mean? Uh I mean, look at all the money the 49ers gave Jarek McKinnon. I mean, they're in the Super Bowl. The guy's never played a snap for him in two years. I mean, you look at Le'Veon Bell. I mean, you just start – you go through you go through all of them. I mean, Atlanta started paying a bunch of running backs and then regretted it. I mean, it, I don't know, man. Like, honestly, who – who like, okay, Pittsburgh could use a back, right? Connor's been really banged up. But, like, you, they're not going to – you know what I mean? Like, they just went through this hell with Le'Veon Bell. Like, they're not doing it. Like – is Sony Michelle injury prone? Can they bank on him? Does New England need to go in another direction? Yeah, probably, but they're not. I don't see them coming in wanting to pay Derrick Henry fourteen million dollars a year. You know, I, I don't. I just who would do it? You know, tell me the team. Like I, I don't know. For me, I think the move would be because, like, if correct me if I'm wrong here, but if you transition tag somebody, somebody could come in and be like, "Hey, we'd like to make you a five-year, twenty million dollar offer." <laughs> And, and you get the and you get a right to match, but I mean it's going to take more than that. Like it would have like. But I'm saying like there's no like minimum there's no minimum threshold that a team has to meet. Now Henry has to accept the offer. It's not like right. No in. one's going to come in and lowball him if you're coming in on a guy who's basically been squatted in on. You're coming in to like reset the market. I don't who who does that? You know, like I just don't see the team like. Arizona, you know what I mean, got off of David Johnson and all that money and went to Kenyon Drake off the waiver wire, and they, you know what I mean, and their offense got better. Like I, I know, man. I, know. I just don't see. I, you know what I mean. Like, tell me. Like, I've gone through it in my head a few times. Like, who's who's the team? I, I don't disagree at all, and I think. Like, I, but I would not be surprised. Like if, Detroit, you know what I mean? They're trying to save their jobs. Like I, I don't know. Like. Maybe, but I I just don't see it. You know what I mean? Chicago, like, they're in desperation mode. They haven't been able to run the ball. Like, could they do it? I guess, you know? Yeah. But do they have the offensive line and everything else that it's going to take? You know what I mean? And they certainly don't have a dude who anybody's worried about throwing the ball downfield and play action the way they are about Tannehill. So I I don't know. I don't think anybody needs them more than the Titans. And – even if it's even if we do get a CBA done and they can only use one tag, I, I mean, Ryan Tan. If I can rent Ryan Tannehill next year for twenty eight million, I'm doing it. Yep. 
Well, what about this? What if the, what if you hit the, what if you hit the fran? What if you hit Henry with the franchise tag? You could, and then transition. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you could go that. You could. Yeah, your total number would be lower, and you'd be like, "Hey, if you want to come get Tannehill for two first round picks, you know, like bring it on." Yeah. I mean, it, it could. Well, I don't even know if you need to put the exclusive. I mean, you could maybe just put the non-exclusive on Tannehill. I mean, the other thing too is like, where else would he go? Like, I could see if the if Tom Brady isn't a Charger and Philip Rivers does leave. Like I, I know, there's people in that organization who've been very high on. Or, well, not should say very high, but who've been intrigued by Tannehill at various points. Yeah. And you know, I think Bruce, Bruce Arians, I know, was very high on Tannehill coming out of the draft, and so maybe that's a you know a different way for them to go as well. Like he would have suitors. Um, I just think the quarterback's so much more important than the running back. And yeah. I, I mean, who was going to put together an offer? for Derrick Henry that they just are like, my God, we can't. You know what I mean? Like, we can't even think about that. I, I, I just don't think that's – I don't think that team is out there. I, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, all right. Uh, what uh, – I don't think what else I'm, – I'm, 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 I'm sort of flying all over the place The uh, as, I, as I do. Oh, Jason Garrett, named OC in uh, Dallas. In, in New York. Man, I'm spacing. Yes. Um, no, that's all right. The Giants' new offensive coordinator, Jason Witten, might have interest in going there. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, nice. you, what, yeah. what are your general thoughts on Jason offensive coordinator in, in New York? How long until he takes Joe Judge down and runs the show there? Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective. I just am not sure how inspiring of a hire it is. Like Joe Judge had to get some people in there and knew what they were doing. It couldn't just be, you know, other expatriates yeah. um, who were available to fill out that staff. I just overall, I, I, I I'm underwhelmed. Uh, you know, I, I am. Um, I don't think Jason Garrett is better for Daniel Jones than Pat Shermer. You'll never convince me of that. And if the whole thing was about the quarterback, then, like, I think they fired the wrong guy. Really? Yeah, you should have fired Gettleman and kept the coach. If this is the end result, Joe Judge with this staff and now Jason Garrett, who, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they just took their – they just said, get your hands off our franchise quarterback in Dallas. We need somebody else to do it. Right. That just happened. And it happened, like, I think – what didn't happen once with Romo, too? Like, I I think it's happened more than once in a nine-year span as a head coach. Now, you can make the argument, well, he's doing too much. And if he just focused on the quarterback, it would be great. Maybe. I think he's uber-conservative at his core. I just do. I think he – I think he could hold the quarterback back. There's people in the Dallas organization who felt like he held Dak back. So, I don't get it. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I don't get it. I'm not sure. To me, that's not like a slam dunk. But but I do get it from the point of like, if you've got a guy that raw, like you need to have some people in the building who've put out fires before who've done it all. But this isn't, you know, a staff loaded with former head coaches as coordinators. It's it's not that at all. So I think getting one was probably important. But I, good luck. <laughs> good luck with it. Um... I don't. My problem is that it just seems to it, to me. It just seems like they are like you got ex, you you valued experience over creativity, and you got a guy who came in and said, "Listen, you know, I've been. I, you know, he's impressed the ownership or whatever by his by his coaching with the Cowboys against the Giants and in previous years, or he beat them 
yada, yada, yada. But then, like, he's, but that's again making it out like beating the Giants for the last five years has been any kind of accomplishment. I mean, that's again right. where they live in their own echo chamber. Where, like, if you keep asking Ernie Corsi and these guys how good we are, they're going to keep telling you, yeah, you're great because they keep funneling the dudes. You know what I mean? Because that's what you keep relying on for your decisions. Like, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Like, beating the Giants is when, 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 like, Okay, they went ten and six one year with McAdoo, right, or eleven and five. But like, tell me what I missed since the last Super Bowl, other than that season, and even that wasn't sustainable. And it was, you know, based on the fact that they went out and spent like one hundred and fifty million on defensive free agents that year, right? And then, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I agree. I think the problem is that they think that Jason Garrett's offense helped develop multiple quarterbacks. When, like you said, that's not the case. I mean, like the if anything, like if. And it's a real ugly situation if the Cowboys offense explodes under Mike McCarthy and Daniel Jones takes a step back and Saquon Barkley's running like Z. You know, I mean, I don't know. It just, it has potential to get ugly. Uh, let's get out of here. We, uh, we kept it too long. Um, not really. No worries. Um, Jason Lockin' Four, add Jason Lockin' Four on Twitter. You gotta, gotta go hang with your family. Fall out. Actually, I'm getting ready to do NFL Monday QB here in a bit. But no, all good, my friend. Keep working. And, um, we will, uh, we'll see you in Miami, right? What's that? I'll see you in Miami. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I get in uh, next Sunday night. Same. Yeah, buddy. Uh, you know what? I bet we drink at least one beer together in Miami. I bet the over. <laughs> I think the, what is the over-under on, well, you know, it's not really even a fair number. What's? I don't even want to set an over-under for drinks that I'll have in Miami. Yeah, I'd, I'd say just bet, bet not to I, handicap it. Yeah. Let it happen organically. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, All right, buddy. Yep, see you next week. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.